0: Let's pray for the offering and also for the message that we're going to be receiving tonight from the book of Colossians. Father, in the name of Jesus, we continue to pray for the offerings that we're receiving, Lord God. And I pray for those that are present, that they would feel free to drop off the offering with one of our ushers. For those that are online, that they would continue to support the church financially, Lord God, through online services or through mail-in. Uh, or they can actually just drop it off, Lord, however they they choose. I pray that you would just bless them and encourage them and honor them for it. Keep our church strong and financially stable. Protect our congregation, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, help us as the people of God that are members of this church to be loyal and to be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's get into the word here tonight. We're going to go into the book of Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to be reading verses 10 through 13. Colossians chapter 4 verses 10 through 13. Let's go ahead and read what it says here. It says, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. All right. So again, we're coming to the conclusion of the Apostle Paul's letters to the Colossians. And you know what? We can just blow by these names and just simply end it and not really be too concerned about it. But we're learning that each and every one of these individuals was actually a very important piece of the puzzle to help the Apostle Paul be successful in ministry, okay? So uh, we learned that part of his ministry team that we've learned so far, uh, we learned about Tychicus, we learned about Onesimus, we learned about Aristarchus, and last week we learned about Mark and Barnabas. Verse 11 introduces us to another of Paul's companions, and his name is Jesus, also called justice and that day the name jesus that comes from the word joshua or save me lord uh savior salvation comes from god uh was a very common name and so they would always it would always be a preface to their main name and this name was jesus also called justice okay so the bible refers to this name of justice three times in the bible once here in colossians chapter 4 verse 11. And another place this name comes up in is Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. And I just want to simply read what it says here in Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26, so you can get some context of what's going on there, okay? It says this, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simeon, the zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scriptures had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph called Barsabbas also known as Justus and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. So, here it mentions Joseph in verse 23 it mentions Joseph called Barsabbas also known as Justice okay but we learn that the justice mentioned here in Acts chapter 1 verse 23 is not the same justice mentioned in Colossians chapter 4 verse 11 because the justice of Acts 123 is Joseph called Barsabbas and the justice of Colossians chapter 4 verse 11 is Jesus also called Justice. So these are two different people. Even though they have a very similar name, the Bible is speaking about two separate people. The third time we hear the name Justice in the Bible is in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 7. And again, let me just read this. It says this. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Achela, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out, his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius, justice, a worshiper of God. So again, this is a third reference and the name here in, in, uh, in, in verse seven of Acts chapter 18 is Titius justice. But this also is not the same justice Mentioned in Colossians four eleven, the person mentioned in Acts eighteen seven is Titius Justice, and the person mentioned in Colossians four eleven is Jesus, also known as Justice. Again, these are also two different people. So, in reality, the only thing that we know about Jesus, also known as Justice, is what the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter four, verse eleven, and it says this, which is our text for tonight. It says. Jesus who is called justice also sends greetings these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God and they have proved a comfort to me now i know this may seem trivial but it's important to make sure that we as we study the bible not just read it casually but actually study it that we don't get people mixed up and that we make proper identification of individuals so that we don't get confused are you guys following what i'm saying OK, so even though I took some time to ID who these guys were that are all named Justice, they're three different people. They're not the same people. And we want to make sure that we interpret the Bible correctly. That's why I took the time to do that. So all we know about Jesus, also known as Justice, is that he was Jewish. That's what the scripture says in verse 11. And that he is a co-worker of the Apostle Paul for the kingdom of God. And that present, presence and support along with the presence and support of Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, and Barnabas is a great comfort to the Apostle Paul. Isn't it wonderful to have people in our lives that bring comfort and support? Can anyone say amen? I mean, so many times we have people giving us a hard time, people uh, hurting us, people backstabbing us, people abusing us, people taking advantage of us. But praise God that from time to time, God allows us to interact with someone that can actually bring support and comfort and encouragement to us. Can you say amen? And that's what this is talking about here. And as I've said before, Julie and I are not able to run this church By ourselves. It's physically impossible for any one person or even a couple to run a church by themselves we cannot even run one service by ourselves we need people who will support us we require a team of people and when our ministry team comes together to make sure everything goes smoothly and to make sure all needs are fulfilled this brings comfort to our hearts as pastors let me let me just uh let you know that okay you probably don't know this but before we opened up to the church for people to come in, when we were first starting this online services and the churches were closed and they allowed only 10 or less people, okay, here at church, all we had in the beginning when we were first starting was our worship team up here. We didn't have a piano player at that time. I don't think we had the drums at that time. And we didn't have the organ player at that time. All we had was a very, very simple worship team service and we had Jamie on the online services Uh, we had maybe six to eight people here okay and uh, then myself here to preach we didn't have any ushers we didn't have any of our health safety check people that check people at the entrance for their temperature to make sure that they're they do not have bad breath to make sure that they're not sick okay and, and 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 we didn't have any of these people it was just a very small group because that's all they, they would allow us under law to meet and, and after every service on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night as soon as I finished my message I would say to all of our online viewers because this place was completely empty all it was was just a few people here I would say good night to our online view- viewers and I would say see you at our next service online and there would be as soon as I say good night there would be complete silence complete silence because Jamie and then later on Joshua would have to fade to black on the online services. And as soon as Jamie gave, us the, gave me the thumbs up, all of us said, ah, it's over it's like letting a bunch of air out of a balloon because we were so stressed and it was like a production and we were like in Hollywood and we were on camera and and it was just a few of us and we were just a small little team but you know what at the end after everything was done and it faded to black and Jamie or else Joshua gave us a thumbs up we let out a sigh of relief and you know what we did we celebrated together and And we comforted each other and we encouraged each other because we made it through another service and we were successful and nothing broke down and we were so happy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I could understand when the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 4 verse 11 when he says, Jesus who is called justice also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God and they have proved A comfort to me. Man, when we were together like that and it was just us and no other people to support us, man, we sure were a comfort to one another. I want you to know that, church. Comforting one another is so important. Those of you that are married, instead of beating each other up, comfort each other. Those of you that have families, instead of fighting with each other, comfort one another. It's better to get things done together than to fight and cause division and cause all kinds of chaos and all kinds of heartache for our lives. How many of you would agree with that? Can you say amen, church? Okay. Now, the next person that the Apostle Paul mentions is Epaphras. Let's read what it says in Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. It says this, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Now, the first words of verse 12 are very important. It says in verse 12, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you. This means that Epaphras is a citizen of the city of Colossae, which is where the Apostle Paul was writing to. This means that Epaphras is a member of the church church of Colossae. As a matter of fact, Epaphras, as far as we know, may even be the pastor of the church at Colossae. If he is not the pastor, he is definitely, definitely a very important leader in the church of Colossae and a very important teacher in the church of Colossae. Remember, the apostle Paul never visited the church at Colossae. Now, none of his missionary trips, first, second, third, and even when he went to Rome. He never visited the city of Colossae. The Apostle Paul did not begin or establish the church at Colossae. The Apostle Paul never met the members of the church at Colossae. Epaphras was the key connection between the church of Colossae and the Apostle Paul. He was the one that reported to the Apostle Paul, you got to help us, because there's people coming into the church, they're co- causing confusion, they're causing all kinds of chaos, they're co- they're bringing in, bringing in false doctrine, and I want you to write them a letter so that they c- we could get ourselves straightened out, and I could teach them the truth, and that's why Epaphras was there with the Apostle Paul in the first place, so that the Apostle Paul could write this letter, and send it back to the church at Colossae, and straighten everything out through this doctrine, and praise God, he's still straightening us out in the Bible, can you say amen, it's still happening even today so we learn this we learn all this from colossians chapter one verses one through seven listen to what it says here in colossians chapter one verses one through seven it says this paul an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god and timothy our brother to god's holy people and Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in christ Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people the faith and love that sprang from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Verse 7, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love, in the spirit again colossians 1 7 is key here it says you learned it from epaphras it says that the colossians learned what they know about christ from epaphras the colossians heard the gospel the colossians believed the gospel the colossians bore much fruit because of the gospel and they learned it here the bible says through the teachings of epaphras he was their teacher he was their pastor he was their leader he was the one that was directing the affairs of that church because paul had never been there epaphras was the one leading it and again at the very least if he wasn't a pastor he was a teacher of god's word in the church of Colossae, and we know from colossians chapter 4 verse 12 which is our text that epaphras was a citizen of Colossae because paul tells us that he is one of them but the thing that is important about epaphras is this the description that the Holy Spirit gives us of the kind of person and leader and mentor and example that he was. First, the Bible tells us that Epaphras was a servant, a fellow servant of Christ. Colossians 1.7 says this, Paul describes Epaphras as a fellow servant, and in Colossians 4.12, the same thing, he describes Epaphras as a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, being a slave, Or a servant? How many of you would agree that's a big deal, especially today? None of us want to be considered a servant or a slave to anyone. This means that you have no rights. This means that you have no privileges. Being a slave means that you have no voice. Being a slave means that you are owned or you belong to someone or are someone's property. This means that you cannot retaliate. Being a servant or a slave has a very... Negative connotation. Would you guys all agree with that? Can you say Amen? Okay, it's a very negative thing. All right, everyone here is saying Amen. Those of you at home, maybe you agree, you disagree. I don't know. I can't hear, and it doesn't really matter. Praise God. It is what it is. Right now, being a servant is a negative connotation. Why? We think about the Jewish people when they were slaves in Egypt for four hundred years. We think about the African people who are who are being captured and forcefully brought to the Americas to become slaves to the white communities. We think about the Native Americans that became slaves and even guides to the cavalry and to the soldiers during the early years of our nation. Being a slave or a servant or a maid or being suppressed or being dominated or forced or dictated to is very, very difficult. And yet the Bible describes Epaphras as a servant of Christ. The King James uses the word bond-servant. Second Corinthians 4-5. The Apostle Paul even saw himself as a bond-servant. He says this in 2 Corinthians 4-5. He says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ, Jesus Christ as the Lord, and, our, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Listen, when you and I became Christians... We became slaves to Jesus. Slaves to God. We just sang that song tonight. It was the last song that we sang tonight. I give myself away. My life is not my own. Do we really mean that, church? Do we really mean that? That my life is not my own? Holy Spirit says, Time to go to church. I don't want to go to church. But I thought you were my slave. I thought you were my servant. I thought you were going to do everything that I told you to do. But yeah, but right now, I don't feel like being your slave, Jesus. I don't feel like doing what you're telling me. You want me to go forgive that person? I don't want to go forgive that person. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. I don't want to be nice. I don't want to drive right. My life is not my own. To you I be. What do you want me to do? What, Jesus? You think I'm your slave or what? But that's what the Bible says that we are his slaves. Slaves to Jesus. Okay? Being a servant is a big deal. It's serious business. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28 says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's son came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor for him. What is it that you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right And the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. How many of you still want to be Christians out there? Anybody else? My life is not my own. To you I be. Do we really belong to Jesus? Is he really Lord of our lives? How many of you are glad that you came to church tonight? You were obedient to the Holy Spirit, even though you may have had an attitude. Even, oh man, I don't want to listen to Pastor Jerry. Oh man, I don't want to to go to church. Oh man, it's such a drag. Oh man. But how many of you are glad that you were obedient to the Holy Spirit and you came to church? Matthew 23, verses 11 and 12. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Matthew 24, 45-48. Who then is the faithful and wife servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So church, listen, listen. When Jesus comes, when he returns... He wants to find us busy, busy for Him, loyal to Him, serving Him, obedient to Him, doing what's right. Don't allow yourself to be lulled to sleep or to be distracted or to be pulled away by the things and the responsibilities and the pressures of the world. The world is a drag. It will drag you away from God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20, you were bought at a price. Therefore honor God with your bodies. In other words, we belong to God. We are His property. Now that's good, and sometimes that could be bad. It's good because he backs us up. He protects us. He provides for us. He loves us. He encourages us. He supports us. He comforts us. He gives us everything that we need. We have to trust him. But it's also bad because sometimes we get lazy, and sometimes we get selfish, and sometimes we have a bad attitude, and sometimes we don't want to be loyal, and sometimes we want to struggle against him. So we have to make a decision. And make a decision and ask ourselves, are we truly servants of God? Then the Holy Spirit refers to Epaphras as a faithful minister. It says in Colossians 1 7, it says this Colossians 1 7, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Faithful means that when things get difficult or when there is opposition or when you find yourself alone, you remain faithful faithful hey it's real easy to be to be there and present when things are going on when everything's happening when the music is loud and all the people are cheering and everything there's a lot of energy and everything's all exciting but man are you faithful to god even when things get all messed up even when you're hurting and discouraged and lonely and things aren't working out and people are treating you bad and you lost your job or you're getting sick or your marriage is struggling or your kids are having a hard time or your life is all messed up and confused or you just, are you still going to stay faithful to God in the bad times? Faithful means doing things that maybe you don't want to do, but you do them because Christ tells you to do them. If he says to apologize, you apologize. If he says to humble yourself, you humble yourself. If he says that you need to confront someone with love, you confront them. If he says to stand up to evil, you stand up to evil and darkness. If he says to speak up against gossip and slander and injustice, you speak up against slander and injustice. Whatever God says, you just do it and you stay faithful to God. Not to man, but to God. And lastly, the Bible tells us that Epaphras was a prayer warrior. Colossians 4.12, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Listen, if any of you know anything about prayer, prayer is tough. I mean, sometimes when I'm on my knees and I'm right next to my bed, sometimes my prayer is awesome, and it's beautiful, and it's good, and I got a clear channel to God, and we're having a good old time, but sometimes, man, I start getting wicked, warped, twisted, ugly, nasty thoughts, and I try to shake them, I try to shake them, and they come back, and I try to shake them, and they come back, and I try to shake them, and others, I mean, man, and it turns into a big old wrestling match in my mind, and I'm trying to get through my my prayers and and, and through the th- and I get distracted and 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 pulling my my thoughts away and and then I re- I catch myself and man what am I doing and why am I thinking and I and time is ticking and time is ticking and I got things to do and I'm wrestling with time and I'm wrestling with my schedule and I'm wrestling with God and I'm wrestling with the devil and it's all in my head prayer is tough it's a tough thing prayer requires Discipline. Prayer requires time. Prayer requires sacrifice. Prayer requires sincere love. Prayer requires you being alone with God, being secluded, being by yourself getting yourself away from all the stuff, your phones, the computers, the, your schedules, whatever it is that you got going on. Now, I believe that all of us who are Christians believe and understand that prayer is very important. Prayer is a very mysterious thing. It is mysterious because when we take time to get quiet before God and talk to our Father in the name of Jesus about whatever is on our mind, our prayers are able to tear down the strongholds of the devil. I don't know how it works. I don't really understand it. All I know is that when I get on my knees and I start coming against the powers of hell, sometimes he fights back. But I do know this, that things get taken care of when I pray. That I know. And man, I could just tell you for myself, when I don't pray, when something happens and it knocks me off of my schedule and I got to go take care of some stuff, it really messes up not only my mind, it messes up my whole day. Everything gets all messed up because I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't ready. I, I didn't have my armor on the, the way I needed to have it on. It really messes things up. Second Corinthians 10.4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Zechariah 4.6. Not by might. You can work out with weights as much as you want. You can have as many guns as you want. You can have tanks and bazookas or whatever it is. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That's how things are going to get done, my friend. James 5:16 The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective and you know what makes you righteous the blood of Jesus makes you righteous When you get on your knees when you hit those knees that that carpet or that floor and you cry out to God you are a righteous man you are a righteous woman because you have the blood of Jesus and God says your prayers are powerful and effective and it may seem like you're just there in a little, little cocoon, but man, you're tearing things up. You're causing havoc. Ephesians 6, 12, we're almost done. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Don't you feel the evil just in, our, in, our, in the atmosphere of our country, of the world? With the politics and the fighting and the arguing and people getting beat up and people getting shot and people riding. Don't you feel the evil? The darkness? The only hope that this world has is you and me hitting our knees. That's the only I'm just telling you the way it is. If we're not praying. I don't care how much you talk or how much you know or how much you want to impress people with your knowledge. If you're not praying, dude, get out of, get out of my way. Don't waste my time with your philosophies or whatever it is. We got to pray. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, Jesus himself prayed in Mark chapter 1, verses 32 to 35. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, the whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, here's the thing, church, this is what makes it so hard. For me, I'm just telling you this straight up. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. Jesus got now. He had just been ministering all day. All these people, all this madness, all this chaos, all this darkness, all this trouble, all these people suffering. He was he was tired. But you know what? He got up early the next day, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed he set the example we got to follow the example we are servants we need to be faithful and we need to pray right now that's what we're going to do father in the name of jesus we do thank you lord god for these lessons lord god of these men of god that were partners with the apostle paul and we thank you for the epaphras lord god that he was a loyal man of god and help us lord god to follow that example once again before we conclude if you're here this evening and you say jerry i am not a christian i have never surrendered my life to jesus if that's you here tonight lift up your hand anyone at all says jerry i am not a christian first of all here at church if you're listening online and you want to surrender your life to jesus you're tired of running your own program you're tired of doing your own thing you're tired of living your life the way you want to live it calling your own shots listen you have to surrender to jesus and if you're ready to do that just to say this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I willingly choose to honor you today. Forgive me of all of my sins. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. We're going to believe that you receive Jesus, that your sins are forgiven, that you are a child of God. And if any of you need to contact us, you feel free to call on that number that's shown on that screen, and we will do whatever we can to make sure that we get you a Bible, make sure that you talk to someone about the decision that you just made. God bless all of you. Have a great night.